Hey, let's enter into that song. Uh, let's make that more than a song. Let's make that our prayer. Let's bow together. And would you just take a moment just to ask the Lord, Lord, I want to give you everything. So speak, call, challenge, whatever you got to do today. Invite him uh, to speak to your heart today. Lord, we pray in faith that you would hear these prayers and that you'd begin movement in them by giving us more clarity as to what to do or how to do it or uh, whatever it is that we need to know so that when we leave today, uh, there, we, can, we can walk in faith, live in faith uh, to the things you're calling us to. And so bless us in this time, we pray in your name. Amen. Uh, well, my name's Bill, and I'm the uh, senior pastor here at Beach Point, and we're in our, our second week uh, on daring faith. And as we're looking at this, we're thinking about the unique way in which daring faith plays a role in kind of miraculous things in our life. And uh, this last uh, week, I had a chance to hear a story about a guy named Kevin Ramsby. And, and Kevin has a true story, but it, to be honest, it's very hard to believe on a num- number of levels. Uh, Kevin pastors a church in Detroit. And he works with uh, gang members and drug addicts. And so you would think if you're a pastor that's going to work with gang members and, and drug addicts, you get kind of a special blessing, right? You kind of a special protection over you. Uh, well, but Kevin, his dream of doing ministry uh, in this place turned to a nightmare one night in 2009 when at about three o'clock in the morning, he heard an intruder in his house. And so he kind of ran to the edge of the stairs. He called out, you know, get out of the house, get out of the house. And then all of a sudden eyes met. They were face to face with one another. Kevin was stabbed 37 times during this armed robbery attempt. Uh, He had over four feet of scars that now cover his body, a number of surgeries that were required uh, to save his life. And and when something like this happens, don't you think, uh, probably what all of us think, you know, God, where are you? Where where were you in this? And and, and Kevin even uh, kind of admits that there's, there's that thought that kind of races in your head thinking, God, where were you in this? Until... Uh, the story begins to develop a little bit as he found himself talking to doctors. And doctors said that he had six different wounds. Six different wounds that if they were one millimeter, one millimeter over, they would have severed a significant uh, artery and killed him uh, right there. So for Kevin, that was miracle one. Well, actually, as he says, miracles one through six. Uh, but then there was the story of of, of uh he was uh, on his staircase when this all happened and there was a pool of blood where he was. There was blood on the wall and things like that. But when they, the police came and picked him up, he was at his neighbor's house. But there's not a single drop of blood between his staircase and his neighbor's house. And they ask, they're asking the question, how did you get to your neighbor's house? How is there not one single drop of blood between where you were almost killed to where we found you? And his simple answer is God. Only God. Uh, he doesn't know how to answer it. Only God. But the, the miracle continues in that when uh, his attacker, Wesley McLemore, uh, was brought, uh, Kevin refused to give a, a uh, 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 victim statement. Instead, what he wanted to do was give a life statement of who he was and what his faith was all about. And there in the courtroom, he offered forgiveness to Wesley. And not only did he offer forgiveness, he befriended the man who tried to kill him. 
Uh, Wesley's entire family, his entire, all his friends, they all abandoned him. They all just shunned him and said they didn't want him in, in, in their life anymore. The only person that this man had left in his life was the very man he tried to kill. And Kevin became his sole contact. And Kevin said it this way. He said, God has forgiven me so much. How can I not forgive? I mean, it's that simple, right? And it's that difficult at the same time. See, that's the test of faith, not just our actions, but our reactions to the way things happen in life. Now, not, don't, don't try to, like, we don't want to sugarcoat this. What Wesley Macklemore did was evil. It was, it was motivated by the evil one who comes to kill and steal and destroy, certainly. Uh, but see, for, for uh, Kevin, he turned this into a Joseph moment. And I, I don't know if you remember, there's a story at the end of the book of Genesis of, of Joseph. He's sold by his brothers into slavery and all this. But years later, as Joseph has come into this position of, of power in Egypt and he can save and rescue his family, Uh, Joseph says these words, and this is kind of how Kevin explained it. Uh, He said this, he says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Author Mark Batterson writes about this, and he says, Through Kevin's courage and God's grace, a horrific accident was transformed into a divine appointment for every person on the police force and the medical staff who would later put their faith in Jesus Christ because of Kevin's crazy forgiveness, and more significantly, the crazy forgiveness of the sinless Son of God. Amazing story. And you realize it takes daring faith to turn a tragedy into a moment of transformation. To, it takes daring faith to forgive the unforgivable. But daring faith is the key. It's the key to miraculous things happening in our life. And this is what we see in the life of Kevin. And this is what we want to see in our lives as well. So here's where we're at. We are in week two of a series called Daring Faith, and we're, we're, we're asking and seeking. We feel like God has our church in a special season. Uh, we don't create the waves, we just ride the waves. And so what we look at is we, we, we notice that in a unique way, God's doing something special at Beach Point, uh, our, both our campuses. Last week, uh, over a thousand people started uh, this whole movement together. So either in services or with kids or youth or life groups, we had over a thousand people jump into this, this little series with us together, doing devotions, and, um, meeting in small groups, coming to services, listening to the messages, all the different things. And I'll be honest with you, the response after one week has already overwhelmed me. It's way more than I thought it was going to be. I was a little timid going into this. I, I was like, I'm just, I'm not sure we're there yet. I'm not sure that we're ready for daring faith. In fact, I, I want to show you, um, I, I'm embarrassed actually to show you some of the series titles that we were working with. Um, we were going to call this uh, mildly above average faith. That was what we were working with. And, uh, and we decided not to. Um, one, one suggestion was that uh, years ago, we had this guy, John Hopkins, a, a friend of us, ours, he's a pastor over at True Vine Church. And he was here and he was teaching the, the passage about uh, where Jesus encourages Peter by faith to step out of the boat. And he was like, get out of the boat, get out of the boat. And he was jumping around and everyone that has ever seen that message will always say, you know, it mentioned Hopkins, they go, get out of the boat, you know. And we were working with, don't call me out of the boat. I'm going to sit this one out. Like that, that, that seemed a little bit more kind of maybe where we're at right now. Someone suggested vanilla faith. We, I, I thought we could have like really cool music uh, kind of setting up the little bumper there you saw. 
But, but I think you know we're, we, we can't go. We can't go towards the things we're going to go with vanilla faith. We have to have daring faith. We can't grow in the ways that we want to grow. We need daring faith. And, and as we're looking at the, the, uh, really the crazy things God is inviting us to, the, the offers of generosity, we know it's going to take daring faith to get to those places. So uh, here's a big idea for today because I think what we're going to see is how important daring faith is. And, and, and here's, a, here's the big idea, the kind of the central idea of everything we're going to talk about for the rest of our time. And it's this, that daring faith pleases God. It pleases God. All throughout the Bible, this idea is loud and clear. That when the people of God walk with God in daring faith, it pleases him. It brings the light to him. And he accomplishes the things he wants to accomplish in us and through us. And so it's, it's interesting. What you'll see is this. Daring faith blesses God. It, it, it delights him. But it also winds up blessing people. It blesses the world. And, and I hope you know this. And I hope you have at least this kind of expectation. Not only will it please God. Not only will it bless the world. It will, it will it'll make you alive like you've never been before. It will, it will bring joy to you as well. It doesn't mean it won't be hard. Okay, It's going to be hard. it's faith, it's stepping out in daring faith, it's hard, but it will be good. And so uh, I want to invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. Now this is is probably one of the greatest chapters in the whole Bible about faith. In fact, some people call it the, this is the the hall of fame of faith. You can turn to page uh, 1212 and the Bible's in front of you. We'll also put it up here on the screen. But this, is, this was such an important chapter of a letter that was being written to a group of people who were beaten down by life. So uh, here's the, the author who's writing this. The whole message of Hebrews, you see the kind of the supremacy of, of Jesus Christ over all things. And so as they're trying to decide whether to stay in faith with Jesus or to go back into old ways or old lives, um, there's all this teaching that goes on. And you get to chapter 11, and then uh, the author says, don't you remember remember what faith is and remember all the people who went before us and the way they lived in faith. And so what we're going to see is today and the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at some of the stories. We can't look at all of them, but we're going to look at some of the stories. It's a chapter totally worth you reading and studying more deeply on your own. Uh, but let's read together just the beginning verses of Hebrews chapter 11. We'll talk a little bit about it. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commanded as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. All right, so here's what we're going to do. I want us to see what daring faith is, 
what effect it has on us, and then how we can develop it. Okay, so what it is, what effect it has on us, and then how we can develop it. So first, what is daring faith? And verses 1 to 3 teach us that daring faith is confidence. It's confidence in God. We've shared this before uh, through some different teachings because this word faith that comes up over and over again in the New Testament is this Greek word pistos, which means if you see the word belief or faith or trust, it's all the same word. And so the idea is uh, when we see the word faith, it is belief, it's trust, it's confidence, it's reliance. It, It is a confidence in God. It's God confidence. So it is a confidence in his character and in his wisdom and in his plans and in his future and his calling, uh, his promises. It is a sense that we have. It's a confidence that translates into action. So trust, faith, belief is never just up here. Uh, When the Bible speaks of this, it is a confidence that, that moves us into action. And so because we believe, because we have that confidence, because we have that trust, that even though the the future isn't certain, we can't see it, we believe it to be true and we're going to move into that place. There's this confidence we have in God when he calls us. We act in faith because of this. Now, uh, faith is trusting that we have reason, reason to believe that something is true or trustworthy. Okay, so you see a couple words there. First, you see the word confidence. Uh, maybe some of your Bibles say certain. Uh, it's a certainty. Uh, it, it means this. It means to validate something through evidence. Uh, and so that's why some of your Bibles may even say uh, faith is the evidence. So it's, it's not just a, a, I hope it is, I, I, I trusted it, and you know, crossing your fingers and kind of stepping out. It, it is, it, it's grounded, as we'll see a little bit, it's grounded in reason. There's reason to believe these things. In verse 3, it says this, that by faith we understand Understand And see, that word understand, again, means to think or to reason. So as you think of the first couple of verses, you might translate it something like this. Faith, through reasoning and thinking, perceives that we see the material world, uh, uh, that, that the seen material world all by itself does not make sense. There must be a supernatural uh, unseen reality as well. So our confidence comes through thinking, through reasoning, we're persuaded. Uh, the, the, these things that influence us lead to conviction. And so we have faith in someone or something because we believe that object of faith to be worthy of our trust. And so this is what we're trying to help you think through the, this season. This journey is about you growing in God confidence so that you grow and sow and go in daring faith like never before. So we want your God confidence to grow. This is at, at the very heart of it. This is what, what we want. So all these things, what we see, daring faith uh, helps us have confidence that, that what God has for us, that what, what is going to come uh, is, and what he has promised, that we can, we can move in it even though we don't see it yet. So just kind of help you kind of see these first couple of verses. We see this. Faith is confidence. Okay, it's trust. It's reliance. Uh, it's not based, it's based in, and grounded in reason. Okay, it's anchored. There's, there's reason why we think we can believe. Even though we can't see it uh, completely, there's a sense that we can move because we, we have enough there to move from. But we, it's ultimately grounded for what we're talking about. Daring faith is rooted in a God confidence. And this helps us understand the, the, the movement that now that because we believe this, we can move with him. So this is, this is the second thing. So 
if, if faith is, daring faith is confidence in God, you need to understand this, that it affects your decisions. Daring faith affects our decisions. So it begins with the head and the heart, but it's ultimately lived out of life. Everyone, okay, everyone lives by faith. All right, I know it seems sometimes that that Christians are the ones who live by faith and the world lives by reason or religious people live by faith in their beliefs, but the rest of the world, we, we use our smarts and we, we live by reason. The truth is both live by both. Uh, the, as you see in verses one through three, we don't just kind of, uh, 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 just kind of hope it's true. We, 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 there's certainty, there's evidence. We kind of see things. First Corinthians 15 is a fascinating chapter about the resurrection of Jesus. And, and one of the things that pe- the people were talking about in the church was, well, maybe the resurrection didn't happen, but that doesn't really matter. We can still live this life and it'll be good. And, and the Apostle Paul says, no, 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 no. Oh, gosh. If the resurrection didn't happen, then we're a bunch of fools. We should go out and eat and drink and party because there's nothing after this. Like, this is very, very important. So he, he te- this whole chapter is built then on him teaching why there's reason for us to have the faith that we do. So our faith is it's grounded in reason. And, and just so you know, every Christian, every atheist, everyone lives by faith and reason. We have information that we have. We gather our information and then we step out in faith. An atheist has all his or her information, believe what they believe to be true, believe that when they die, there's nothing that's going to happen. And then they step out in faith and live their life based on those convictions. So we both, every one of every person on the earth lives this way. And so as you think of this, notice this. I want you to see, this, this is, I think, a, an interesting picture. Notice the, the example of everyday kind of decisions being uh, lived out by faith. It's a story about uh, two brothers, Cain and Abel. It's a story found in Genesis chapter 4. Let me put it up here on the, on the screen here to help you see it. It says this, Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time... Cain brought some of the fruits of his soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Okay, so you're not weak if you live by faith. You're human. We all live by faith. We all make decisions all the time by faith. And he says, here's an example. Think of these first brothers. You have Cain and Abel. Cain's job is, he's the older brother. He's in charge of the crops. Abel's job is to take care of the flocks and, and all the livestock. And, and what you see in them is kind of a natural thing in people, which is to give gifts to those whom they love and, and to worship God. And so you see, here these two things come together. They both want to worship God. They both want to bring gifts to God. But notice the unique way in which they give their gifts as acts of faith. So we see Cain. How does Cain live by faith? Well, it says that as time came by, uh, uh, over the course of time, it seems like what made sense what he could calculate. He got to the end of the year. He could see what he had and what he could manage. And then he gave, he still gave a gift to, to God. But notice the difference between that 
safe, measured, kind of comfortable gift versus his brother. His brother gave also, but it's notice what it says. He gave the firstborn. Okay, now why is that important? Because there's no guarantee of the secondborn. It's a very, very risky gift to give. And so uh, later, now while this is just purely out of the heart of Abel, he has this heart. He wants to give this gift out of faith. A son would come up to his father and say, Dad, that's not good math. You don't give the firstborn because we don't know if there's going to be a second. How are we going to pay the bills, Dad? And what the father would teach his son is this. Son, we give the firstborn because we believe that's a gift from God. And we believe, we trust that God will provide lambs two through ten. And so we don't wait till all ten are here and then we give him the tenth. We start with the first. It's an act of faith. It's an act of trust. And we believe that God will bless because of that. And lambs two through ten, we don't, have, we don't know for certain, but we believe by faith that God will provide. And so it was an act of faith. And notice what it says about this. Abel, even well after he's gone, his testimony is still influencing people. Why? Because he gave, he gave in a way that was sacrificial in this. He gave in a way that worshipped. All of us, all of us are going to face decisions. All of us are going to come to crossroads in our lives where we can't anticipate the future. We don't quite know what's going to happen. And we have a choice of whether or not we're going to kind of answer or handle that decision like Cain or Abel. So on the one hand, we can kind of look at what's safe, what's comfortable, what makes sense. What can, I, what can I measure out? Or what we see, the one who was commended, God said, wow, that's a great gift. I, I commend, look at how he commends that gift of his brother. He says, look at Abel. He trusted me even though he didn't know what was going to happen next. He just knew that this was a good way to honor me and he did it. And he trusted that by honoring me with this decision that I would be in the next decision with him. And I'd be in, the, in every consequence that went with that decision. And he says, that's pleasing to me. That's good to me. So you and I find ourselves, when decisions have to be made, am I more like Cain or am I more like Abel? Am I more safe and calculated? Do I want to do what, what, what seems comfortable or am I willing to take the risk? Am I willing to be daring? Not only because I think this is what God's calling me to do, but because I believe he's in it with me and he'll be with me and all the consequences that come with this decision as I move forward. This is a very, very challenging example for us. So faith is God confidence. It affects our decisions. Then how do we develop it? How do we develop it? And I think the last part of the verse teaches us Daring faith is developed by seeking God. By seeking God. And this is the example of Enoch. Now we, don't, we know very little about this man Enoch. Uh, the very little we know is that he pleased God. And then we're told, well, there's only way you, way you please God. You believe he exists and you earnestly seek him. Now here's, I want you to write this down. Genesis 5.24. Genesis 5.24. And you can write down a couple words. Uh, but look at this verse. This is one of the few verses we have about this man, Enoch. We don't know much. All we know is he lived, he lived 365 years, which when you look at all the descriptors and however time worked in uh, age, uh, all we know is it's kind of small in comparison. Maybe 365 is kind of a, a, a symbolic number of completeness, whatever it is, but he didn't die. He just 
disappeared. And, and the way that they knew, he just went to go be with God. God just took him. And maybe here's the clue why. Enoch walked faithfully with God. He walked with God. And then God just took him. And this, is, this is interesting because most of us think of the, uh, the kind of life we want to live with God as I, I want to live a life for God. And we see ourselves kind of out in front and God here and he's kind of watching over us, smiling and protecting and you know, uh, defending the thunderbolts, whatever things are coming out. And we like that, right? That's a, that seems like a good. But what if, what if instead you could walk, instead of for God with him watching over you, you could walk with him? Walk with God. Maybe Enoch has something to teach us here. Now, one one uh, commentator says it this way. He says, usually such people walk about before God, which suggests that God has an eye on them with both solemn and encouraging implications. But Enoch walked about with God, which suggests something more like friendship. Like friendship. And Hebrews says that this pleased God. See, those who please God are those who seek him diligently. And this, this idea of diligently means this, that, that they, they make careful search of. They, they, you exert some effort. It, it means to exert considerable effort. Like he sought after God. It means that he, he, he was seeking God and he kept seeking God. He, he was seeking God and he kept seeking God. This is what he's saying here. And, and scripture says this, that the one who seeks God and keeps seeking him pleases him. Now, doesn't that make sense? Doesn't that maybe, think about this. The more you seek to walk with God instead of for God, the more you seek to walk with God instead of for God, the more you begin to discover who God is, what he's like, how he works, his power, his majesty. And, And so out of that, your faith grows. And as your faith grows, you step out and you do the things that you think he's calling you to. But then because you step out, you realize, I need to seek him more. I need to walk closer to him, with him more. And as you're walking closer with him, you're, you're discovering more about him. And your faith is growing more. Your confidence is growing more. And so you step out in bigger ways. And then you, as you're stepping out in bigger ways, you're like, whoa, I need you with me. And as I'm, now that I know that you're with me, I'm learning more about you. My confidence is growing more about you. And you see the cycle. There's this unique way in which as we're walking with him, we're seeking him, it is helping our confidence grow. It's helping us take those steps of faith with him, which then leads us back to seeking him more, discovering more about him, more and more confidence, stepping out in greater and greater ways. See, I want you to understand something, that your faith is something that develops. Faith develops. Faith is not an, a, a take it or leave it, all or nothing thing. And sometimes that's the way people describe it. And I think you do, we, we, when we say that to people, I think we, we do damage. In the scriptures, what we see is this, that faith develops. So there was a church and the Apostle Paul said this to the church in Thessalonica, in 2 Thessalonians 1. He says, We ought always to thank God for you, uh, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. Your faith is growing more and more. 
Oh, it's not on there. I'll have to get it right. Second uh, Thessalonians, that's why. Second Thessalonians 1.3. Your faith is growing more and more. There's a great story. We'll look at it in the future weeks. There's a miracle Jesus is about to do. There's a father who's begging Jesus, hey, will you, will you rescue my son? And he says, I, I can do it if you believe. And he says, and, and he says these words. We sing it in one of the songs that we're singing. Uh, and it's a great line. It's a line that all of us go, oh. he says, I do believe Help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And when he says this and then Jesus does the miracle, we go, whew, because that's how I feel. Like, I believe, but I have such levels of unbelief that I want to grow through. I'm just not there yet. Jesus, help me get there. And he says, let's do this. See, think of it this way. On a scale of 1 to 100, if you're at 51, on belief and you're ready to move, that's good. But you realize you've got 49 different levels that you can still kind of grow up into. So don't beat yourself up if right now on some of these things of growing and sowing and going, you feel like, hey, I'm only here. I mean, think about it. some of you, uh, you never, you, maybe you, you, you never really prayed for something. And then you prayed and you saw an answer to prayer and your faith grew a little bit. Your confidence grew. And so you're, you started praying a little bit more dynamically. Or you got nudged by the Holy Spirit to say, hey, I want you to reach out to this person. You're like, I don't want to talk to, that's scary. What if they reject me? What if they think I'm some kind of religious nut or whatever it is? And so you've got this doubt, right? You've got this this level of faith. I should do it. It, Good things could come. And then you have this level of doubt. They're going to think I'm crazy and never want to talk to me again. But you move in the nudge and something good comes out of it. A conversation or opportunity. Maybe they're sitting next to you today. But your faith grew as a result. And now when that nudge comes, you're a little bit more responsive. One of the books that's been helpful for me in this is a book called In Search of a Confident Faith by J.P. Moreland and Klaus Isler. And uh, if, you, if you miss that, you can come up and see me afterwards. I'll give it to you. But I think this idea of reason and faith, some of you realize, like, I, I want to be a person of faith, but I, I kind of need some substance to it. There, there's nothing wrong with that. And we see in this passage that there's, there, this, that's affirmed in this passage. So, let's close with this. Grow. What could Enoch teach us? Okay, we're challenging you to step out in daring faith to grow. What could Enoch teach us? He says this. What he teaches is this. Seek and keep seeking. Seek and keep seeking. How are you seeking him? How will you keep seeking through scripture, through prayer? Uh, maybe you grab that devotional. Maybe you re- read the devotional and go, ah, that was, that was great, but I want more. That's great. And we can help you with that. But are you taking some steps to say, Lord, speak into my life. Help me figure out how to grow more into, the, into your likeness. This is one of the things we're hoping during this journey that you will find that God's going to kind of reveal some things that you need to, to develop and grow through. So, what could Abel teach us? What we see from Abel is this. Do you give God the first and the best? Do you give God the first and the best, or do you wait till it's all out, and you calculate it, and then figure out what you can do? Now, there's nothing wrong with using reason and thinking through all this, but if, if, what we're, if we're giving out of fear, okay, instead of faith, then we realize I've got room. I've got room to grow. Okay, so how do we get there? One of the things I want to encourage you with is, you know, part, you'll, if you weren't here last week, you'll see as you get your packet that part of our Daring Faith commitment is 
uh, some great initiatives that we have for both of our campuses and some of the things we think God's calling you to. I just want to encourage you, write down, reread pages 11 and 12 when you go home today. Because I want you to see the whole process that we're encouraging you to go through is, it's an Enoch process. Walk with God. Okay? I'm not going to take you out and play golf with you and then try to muscle you into a big donation or something like that, okay? All I want for you is for you and your family to have the experience of walking with God, Him speaking into your hearts. You'll, you'll see there's a prayer to pray every day. There's, there's ways that you talk about it as a family. There's a seeking and keep seeking. There's an encounter with God. And so I want to encourage you to go through that. Go. Verse 2, what can the ancients teach us? Uh, They were commended because they believed and they acted. In fact, verse 2 sets up all of chapter 11 to say, those that went before us set us a model. They didn't just think they could do it. They didn't just think it could happen. They did it. They responded. And I want to encourage you to hear not only God's call, but with God's confidence Go, do, move. So you have a bookmark. Maybe you have it with you. If you don't, I want to encourage you. Put it in your Bible. Keep it with you. But I want to, I want to close our time with this. There, those three words are written on the bottom of your page. Grow, sow, and go. And uh, we're going to give you just like about 90 seconds of silence. So don't panic. No one's leaving. No one's, no one's, nothing's happening. Okay? But as the band comes up, I just want to encourage you, over the next 90 seconds, would you just look at those three words and ask God, how are you nudging me today? What are you saying to me? And if you have your bookmark, start writing some things down. Start writing some words down. And it's okay if it changes. But today, what are you saying to me in terms of growing and sowing and going? Let's take a moment to pray together and we'll sing.